CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, December 20th is just moments away. All right, Doogie can hear us. But before we get into this, we need to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, and no, not Aerosmith. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, sponsored this program, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Giant thank you to those unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. And, of course, today's Ben Jaromsky show for Friday, December 20th, is brought to you in part by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Saturday, yeah, in the park, yeah, doo-doo-doo, Fourth of July. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. <laughs> it is Friday, December 20th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Ramana Rundown with Chicago Sun-Times editor Ramana Hussein, And we're talking all things last night's debate and impeachment with author and professor David Ferris. And now your host, not an author, a professor, but <laughs> one hell of an air organ player, Chicago Reader <laughs> columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here, calling this Wine Cave Friday. And here's why. Great debate last night. You watched the debate, D? Yeah, I watched uh, half of it, oh. and I fell asleep. Okay, so you're not like one of those people that we know who can, I, I don't watch debates because... <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm just too important. Tried my hardest to keep watching, <laughs> and I fell asleep. Well, you know, there were some moments, okay, some sleepy moments there uh, in the debate. It was a two-and-a-half-hour debate, you know? It was le- shorter than The Irishman, all right? Did you fall asleep during The Irishman? I'm never watching that movie. Okay, well, uh, <clears throat> anyway, I did not fall asleep during The Irishman. I had a sleepy, few sleepy moments during the debate last night, but I love the debate. People know this. Uh, I love Democratic <laughs> debates. I've been watching them for years and years and years, and I particularly enjoy this current round because it's really interesting watching the Democrats try to struggle with an ideology that will represent the party. Again, they're the values that the Democratic Party has are best articulated, in my humble opinion, the general values of the Democratic Party, the traditional Democratic uh, party values that go back to the age of uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR, are perhaps best articulated by uh, Bernie Sanders, let's say that, uh, and uh, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, I will throw her there as well. And then, you know, the rest of them take bits and pieces, like if it's smorgasbord, they're like trying it out. I don't want to go too far left because I'll get insulted. I'm worried about, you know, what a swing voter might say, or, or I'm worried about what, you know, the party does 
donors might say. And so, you know, they try this, they try that. Uh, so it's kind of interesting for me just from as a longtime Democrat who's always looking for a Democrat to sort of articulate my worldview uh, to see how they're trying to nuance. Isn't that the word they always use? Nuance uh, the situation. So they say just enough to convince an old lefty like me that, yeah, they, they're, they're on my side, but not too far because they don't want to alienate the swing voters or the donors, et cetera, and so forth. So I particularly enjoy watching that uh, in uh, at debate time. And <clears throat> I got to say, I'm going to say some things. Uh, I thought uh, Amy Klobuchar did very well for herself last night. I thought Amy Klobuchar, uh, she was, took the attack. Uh, she uh, articulated uh, her position, which she didn't run away from. She didn't. She wasn't one of these people who said, "Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I really believe everything with Bernie." Uh, she said, "No, there's a little bit of a difference with me and the Bernies of the world, and but I think I'm more electable than the Bernies of the world, and more practical than the Bernies of the world." And she also went on a tough counterattack. Uh, on some of the on Mayor Pete and, uh, and some of the other candidates, uh, so I was kind of impressed with her. Uh, I, I continue to enjoy the presence of uh, uh, Andrew Wang. He, he gets off uh, one. He's just got this ability about. There's just something about him that is. How do I put this? He's um, he's self-effacing. He he doesn't really promote himself, and yet he sticks to his guns. And he is not a traditional New Deal Democrat. Uh, I I recognize that, but he has a sense of how the modern economy is really hurting and damaging uh, ordinary Americans. Uh, and he articulates that very well in the brief moments that he's given on the stage. And he keeps surviving. That line he had at the end, he goes, I know what you're thinking. You're wondering, how am I still on here on stage with them? And he pointed at all the other more conventional uh, candidates. And so I really appreciate uh, the fact that somebody who's just a little off center just in terms of his appearance, he doesn't wear the tie, uh, in terms of how he talks, he doesn't talk down to people, and the fact that he never gets off uh, a point. He's always talking about uh, his main program, which is Universal uh, Benefits for America. So uh, I'm impressed by him. Then we get to Mayor Pete. And I have a confession to make, Dee, and I... I, uh, <laughs> I, I struggle with this. I know I'm going to alienate many of my friends of the centrist persuasion, uh, my Dem friends. I don't get the appeal of Mayor Pete. I, I, I'm struggling with this, D, okay? All right? I'm really working on this. The guy is number one in the polls, I think, in Iowa, or very close to number one, number one or number two. He's doing very well in New Hampshire. You know, uh, when he gives an appearance, the place is packed with people paying top dollar. We'll get into the, to that with the wine cave thing. And so I, I, there's people like him, you know, he's make, raising a lot of money, very popular guy. And I'm like, what is the matter with me? There's something wrong with me that I'm, I'm not feeling Mayor Pete. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's got to be me. Okay. It can't be everybody. If everybody else loves Mayor Pete, there's something wrong with me. I, it's kind of this, like my existential struggle throughout the nineties, where I think I was the only person in the city of Chicago who didn't revere Mayor Richard M. Daley, you know, and I'm like, it, it's something wrong with me. That's the problem. It's not, it's, it, everybody else can't be wrong. It's got to be me. And the O's, I still didn't love Ray, uh, Mayor Richard M. Daley. Everybody loved him. Most corrupt uh, administration in the city of Chicago. People in Chicago still love the guy. 
Then Mayor Rom rolls around. Everybody loved Mayor Rom. You know, it's like, can I not just join the party? But here's... Here's How can I, you not love a guy who rides his bike all the time? I just biked around Lake Michigan. <laughs> it gives biking a bad name, all right? Mayor Wait, Ron. He biked a lot of miles. I can't remember how many. Nearly a thousand miles. Oh, oh, I, that's right. I, I forgot it was a thousand. You haven't played that one in a while. I love that one. Throwback. And nobody asked me a question about health care. Nobody talks to you, Mayor Rob. Somebody sees you. You're so mean. Don't talk to me. <laughs> Goes into a coffee shop. Somebody goes, oh, hi, Mayor Rob. Leave me alone. Uh, anyway, Mayor Pete, Mayor Rom loves Mayor Pete. Mayor, Mayor Pete and Mayor Rom kind of remind me of each other. You get that? Take a chill pill, man. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so you know, um, he's young. I guess maybe that's part of. It. He's only thirty-seven, so he's running for president. Very young, you know. It's like, okay, well, what experience do you bring to the table? And the experience he has doesn't really convince me that he's learned a lot from life. You know, there's thirty-seven-year-olds who've lived like really. Uh, deep lives and been through a lot and come away with wisdom that they can impart. Uh, and uh, he doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. He's been the mayor of South Bend for, what is it? Uh, he was eight, two-term mayor, eight years. Uh, and it's like suddenly he's discovering the race issue. Well, there's a significant black population in South Bend. And like all of a sudden, Mayor Pete's discovered the race issue. It's like, how could you be the mayor of a city with a significant a black population that has many of the same racial challenges that all cities and all towns have where there's a significant number of black and white people living in the same town and just come away going, oh, I just realized that we have a segregated school system. Huh. Yeah, so it's sort of like I, I don't understand. Uh, you know, I just don't uh, understand the appeal of Mayor Pete. Uh, and uh, I think what really turned me off was at the very get-go, before I knew much about the guy at all, just knew his name, which I kept trouble pronouncing, uh, and because <laughs> my dyslexia kicks in at some point when I see all those Gs uh, at the end. But it was a, a quote he gave, and I remember I read the quote in the New York Times, D, and I came to the studio that day. And I was talking about one minor quote in the paper, and it had to do with the whole issue of college tuition and should the government uh, step in uh, to help people pay off their college loans and uh, help people get out of debt, young people get out of debt, for all the money they borrowed uh, to, to pay for tuition, and uh, even set aside, up, set aside money so people could go to college for free. And, of course, Bernie Sanders is advocating that. Elizabeth Warren is advocating that. Uh, to one degree or another, almost all the Democratic candidates are sort of heading in that direction. It's kind of like Bernie is leading the party on that direction, D, uh, the way he did on uh, health care for all back in 2016. Now, everybody is kind of like heading a little left because Bernie, <laughs> Bernie is sort of embarrassing everybody on this particular issue. So anyway, this response, I remember reading it in the papers like, I forget this was in the summer, I want to say, D. His response was that it would not, if you had college tuition for everybody, uh, including rich people, that would not be fair to people who don't want to go to college and want to go to trade school. So in order to be fair to people who want to go to trade school, he was against uh, subsidizing college education for everybody. And I'm like, what a, what a sneaky way to avoid the central issue. what You're like hiding behind your supposed dedication to people who want to go to trade school, using that as a justification to be against a universal 
college tuition. For, for one thing, it's not like you can't do both. You know, it's sort of like the implied point he's making is that I'm not for trade school. I would never advocate for free trade school for people or public publicly funded trade school for people, but I'm fair to those people who want vocational education because I'll also deny uh, college subsidies for people who go to regular uh, four-year colleges. I'm like, why don't you do both? I mean, instead of spending all the money on the military budget, trillions of dollars we spend on military budget, why don't we spend it on something that's useful to people in this country? Why do you use people who aren't going to regular four-year colleges as an excuse not to subsidize education for people who do go to military uh, to regular colleges or you could just say you know what before i support a program that would help people who go uh to regular colleges i want to pay for people who get for vocational training but he was for neither one it reminded me of the early debates when the tim ryan the congressman from ohio would justify his opposition to medicare for all on the grounds that he did not want to uh take away the great health care coverage that so many uh, union members had negotiated for which is like wow you're, protect, you're cloaking your opposition to something that everybody in the country could want and could use and benefit from, including union members, uh, be, in the, uh, uh, disguising it as protecting unions who've negotiated contra- uh, great health care plans and contracts. It's like you're using one thing to justify another thing that's completely contradictory to it. So I, I could never understand. that. that kind of, I guess that kind of turned me off on Mayor Pete uh, from the get-go, like using... Uh, people who go to vocational uh, schools as an excuse for being opposed uh, to uh, education for all, uh, subsidizing education for all, for uh, public education like we do for uh, public grammar schools, et cetera, and so forth. Anyway, uh, last night's debate, one of my favorite parts, it was a really lively moment. Uh, Elizabeth Warren went on the attack uh, and uh, revealed that uh, there was this big fundraiser for Mayor Pete at a wine cave in California. Were you aware of that, D? Until that debate? No, I did not know. I didn't even know such a thing existed. Me either. I uh, I had to go on the internet and look up wine caves. Yeah. They're caves where long I tables, mean, people drinking wine, and people pay a lot of money for I know it. weed basements. I've never heard of wine caves. So anyway, uh, that was a funny moment in the debate. And Mayor Pete, I have to give him credit. He came back hit, uh, hitting hard. Uh, I, I will say this. He's a skillful debater. He's quick on his feet. And uh, he pointed out that he earns less money than anybody else in the stage. He's worth uh, less money than anyone in the stage. And uh, he is not going to apologize uh, for having uh, high ticket, high price fundraisers in wine caves. That's what he has to do to raise money uh, f- uh, to be competitive. Uh, so that's what that's the game he's going to play. I'm more concerned uh, with whatever he's saying to the people in the wide caves to get them to give up uh, all that money to support him. And my guess is that whatever he says is not favorable to sort of that New Deal Democratic view that people like me have. So that's maybe why I have an aversion to Mayor Pete. We had a great show today, everybody. Ramana uh, Hussein will be in here. Boy, I'll tell you what, D, she's going to do some Tulsi trash talking. Uh-oh. All right. She already told me on the phone she's ready to go. We'll get into that. Uh, Tulsi trash talking. Ramana uh, Hussein. We got a lot to talk about now, local politics as well as national, but she's already ready. A Tulsi takedown happening Tulsi. at one thirty this afternoon. Keep it tuned right here to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Tulsi, that's 
He went to radio school, ladies and gentlemen, at Tulsi Takedown. He's so good with the alliteration. And then I've been waiting for this for a while. David Ferris, the Roosevelt University political science professor. Great job booking. Perfect uh, timing. I got to say, we booked him. Uh, the, the impeachment went down on, what was it, Wednesday. The debate was last night. He is the one. Uh, he's a favorite on this show. He comes in and he articulates the reality uh, that the Democrats are always will always be at a disadvantage when it comes to electoral politics in this country because they play the game. I, I don't know. They back away from the fight. They pretend as though there's legitimate bipartisanship, and they don't play the game like Republicans who are ruthless. All right? So, uh, it, so I, whenever David comes on the show, uh, he articulates his worldview of how the Democrats have to be more like Republicans if they're going to have any oppor- any uh, chance to uh, take control of the Senate or uh, so they can win back the White House and uh, nominate Supreme Court justices and other judges that are a little less conservative than the ones uh, that Donald Trump uh, shoves down our throat. So he always makes these suggestions. And then through, in the weeks in between his visits, I always ask my guests of the centrists, uh, worldview about them, and they always dismiss them. Oh, that's ridiculous. You're going to turn off swing voters in Wisconsin. So it'll be interesting to hear what David Ferris has to say and uh, what, what his views of the debate were and what his views of impeachment are. Can't wait. He'll be here at 2 o'clock. So plenty of political talk ahead of us. But before we do any of that, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. Back home, they call him the doctor with the news. Hello. <laughs> Happy Friday. My name is Dennis. I'm not a doctor. First off, the live stream chat room is on fire this afternoon. What's happening, everybody, on the live stream chat? A lot of Mayor Pete talk happening in the chat room, Ben. They, they love, see, I'm in trouble now. Oh, it's they, funny. They love Mayor oh, Pete, you, man. you would think that, but uh, not surprising at all. None of it is good. <laughs> it's all bad. Let's find out what's happening here uh, with uh, the live stream chat room. We love you guys. Uh, let's see here. I'm not feeling Mayor Pete, guys. I apologize. Well, all right. you know, Johnny Joe's right there with you. He says, I don't get Pete or Biden. Brianna says, trust me, Ben. <laughs> Don't. All right, you're winning them over. Don't start talking about Biden, okay? Grandpa Joe. Please stop. <laughs> when you start talking about Biden, this live stream chat just unleashes. Oh, We're all in a good mood here, okay? I Biden's got that look. He's like, ah, oh, oh. <laughs> I like me. I hate. Uh, I like Grandpa Joe but more. I have just a greater feeling toward Grandpa Joe than Mayor Pete. Uh, just saying that. Just saying. There with the unity. <laughs> okay, let's see here. Uh, Brianna says, trust me, Ben, you are not the only person not feeling Wall Street Pete. Oh, man, Wall Street Pete. Yep, I'm writing that down. Shout out to our good friend Doogie. Doogie says, uh, he reminds him of Bill Clinton, Mayor Pete. He says he had to have studied Bill Clinton's charisma. Absolutely. I think I actually think he's taking it to an, uh, another extreme. He's he's good. He's good on his feet. I gotta say that. He's quick on his feet. But I don't get it, man. How could you not be for the universally universal public education? Don't get that. How could you be a Democrat and not be for that? I, I don't get it. And to and to to say you're not for it because you, you it would be unfair to people who go to vocational school. I, I don't get it. So. Fast feet, Pete. Okay, let's see here. Oh, that's good. I'm right. <laughs> uh, Roe just simply says, yeah, he seems very pleased with himself. Well, that, well, he's a smart guy. Shout out to David. David says, Mayor Pete is Rom with manners. Wow. There is a lot of similarities, I said, between Mayor Pete and Rom. 
but yeah, but he does have better man- manners. And it's a primary. Uh, you know, those manners will probably go away once that's over, right? If he gets any further. Well, he, I mean, he threw those sharp elbows at, uh, at Elizabeth Warren. He came back at her uh, pretty strong. <laughs> All right, and I think that's about it for the Mayor Pete. No, they're not, okay, I thought, man, everybody would turn against me because I'm <laughs> no, not no. feeling Mayor Pete. No, it's when you talk about Biden and how awesome you th- you think he is. That's when they start turning on you, Can right? I just tell you how wonderful Joe Please Biden is? Please stop. <laughs> We're all getting along, all right? Joe Biden. Joe, he's still number one in the polls, D, okay? Not our polls, all right? <laughs> I saw that. He was at 29%. All right. So with that out of the way, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Yes, David Ferris is going to be talking last uh, night's debate. Also, we got Samina Mustafa and Latisa Wallace coming in. Should we do it with the live stream again like we did with Carlos? I think, I think we should do that as well. That was popular with Carlos. We yeah. may have to do that. Uh, the sooner the better. So uh, we'll, we'll release, uh, we'll, we'll live stream Samina and Latisa today. They're going to be talking all things uh, last night. Yeah, and then we have some great uh, uh, bonus episodes. Um, uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, when are we going to, we, well, the brains of the show, Monday. Dennis, will figure Monday, okay. Uh, but a lot of great political talk with Carlos. And uh, Samita's fired up. I talked to her on the phone today. She is raring to go. So if you're listening uh, to today's show and it ends and you're like, boy, I wish they would talk about that debate more. Well, don't worry. At 4 o'clock, we're going to jump back on the live stream. We're going to be talking with Samina Mustafa and former Lieutenant Gubernatorial Candidate One, Latisa Wallace out of Rockford. Yes, indeed. All right, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. A lot of reefer news today, Benny J. Oh, okay. For those not keeping track, we are now 12 days away from recreational cannabis becoming legal in the state of Illinois. And for those keeping track, chill out, you crazy potheads. <laughs> My God, calm down. <laughs> But seriously, on the statewide front, yeah. we are locked, loaded, and ready to eat, drink, smoke, <laughs> whatever way we can take it. Any recreational cannabis that comes uh, within 10 feet of us uh, come midnight, January 1st. But <laughs> here in the city, depending on who you ask, it's somewhat of a different story. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday, Chicago's Committee on Contracting Oversight and Equity passed an ordinance, an ordinance that would have prohibited cannabis sales from starting on January 1st, 2020, and pushed them to July 2020. Ben calls this the Great Reefer Revolt. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I was with him 100%. The City Council's Black Caucus is concerned that none of the dispensaries that are set up to open shop come January are owned by African Americans, Latinos, or women. We've covered this numerous times on the program, but just a quick recap in one sentence as to why. Well, application fees to run a marijuana dispensary in Illinois cost so much damn money that the only people who can afford to open one are all together now. Now, everybody, come on. <laughs> really rich white people. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord, I can't stop talking about this. I just wrote a column about it for the reader. We had a really deadline this week, D. I was up late last night writing that column. <laughs> yeah, you admitted uh, that you were writing one on the brown line. Yeah. In, in my eye, I was like, that's outrageous. Uh, well, the great thoughts come to me at weird moments. Uh, but I do not understand. Uh, I will not understand. The the people who bore the brunt of the war on drugs uh, were black people. They were arrested for stuff that white people just did all the time. And I know they did it all the time because they were doing it in my living room. And and yet, when it turned around and reefer is finally legalized, who's getting all the goodies? The white people who never, <laughs> who never were... Th- who never paid a price for the war on drugs. I don't know. There's just something that just rubs me the wrong way about I'm going to get in trouble, D. Oh, I got in trouble. All the Mayor Pete people are mad at me now. 
and all the legalized reefer people are going to be mad at me now. <laughs> I'm just getting everybody mad at me. The Joe Biden uh, haters out there are going to get me. I don't really. That's my Joe Biden. Like, like oh, he points. He, yeah. he points. <laughs> Get that point. Thing. Now, those who watch the live stream can already tell, but those who may download and don't know and can't see what we wear every day, Ben and I, not really rich white people. Right? <laughs> Broke ass white people. Especially me. Oh, I'm like really poor. So, okay. Uh, yeah, I can, I can vouch for that. So, the Reaper revolt <laughs> happened on Tuesday. Then, as suspected during Wednesday city council meeting, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, along with a handful of other city council members, said F that with an overall vote of no on that ordinance. And here we are uh, back to January 1st for legal recreational cannabis in Chicago. But wait, Whoa. there's more. Whoa. In case you haven't heard the news, on Thursday, the chairman of the city council's Black Caucus, one Jason Irvin doubled down, announcing that he and the Black Caucus will try again to delay recreational marijuana sales in Chicago for six months. But this time around, Alderman Irvin is throwing the Illinois governor into the fight. That's right. Irvin has accused Governor J.B. Pritzker's office of backing off from a commitment made to African-American aldermen demanding a piece of the pie. Alderman Irvin, uh, Ben, which ward? 28th. Come on. That's the one. <laughs> Irvin said that seven or eight black and Hispanic aldermen voted against a six month delay on Wednesday based on the promise that they were told the governor's office made to earmark two medical marijuana dispensary licenses, one in Hyde Park, the other in Chinatown for social equity applicants. Right after the city council meeting, the governor's office disavowed any such guarantees about the two new licenses. Pritzker spokeswoman Jordan Abadea said there would be a, quote, regulated process to determine the ultimate owners from a pool that includes, quote, social equity applicants. Irvin feels that he still has a case. Here's Irvin on the governor's apparent promise, quote, if they're now saying that they will not do that, then they're backtracking on what was previously stated. That's a problem. If they're saying they won't do it, that's a problem. I'm disappointed in everything that's transpired, and this would just add insult to injury. I would hope that people would reconsider their decision based on the fact that what was promised to them was not delivered. Okay. We, I, I can't remember who I was talking about this uh, yesterday. It may have been Brandon Johnson. You gotta get it in writing, Alderman Irvin. We talked about this during the teacher strike. The teachers were saying, uh, we want a guarantee from uh, Mayor Lightfoot that she will hire nurses and social workers. Mayor Lightfoot said, I, what? Who needs, I put, I promised I was gonna do it. Oh, that Mayor Lightfoot impression is getting better and better every day. <laughs> I, 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 pro, I pro, Ramana's in the studio. She loves my Mayor Lightfoot uh, imitation. I promised I was gonna do it. Uh, and so uh, Stacey Davis Gase uh, said, I want it in writing. Uh, they went on strike and they got it in writing. So uh, Jason Urban, you can learn from Stacey Davis Gates. You got to get it in writing. Otherwise, they, they, obviously, the whole history of marijuana in the city of Chicago in the country of the United States shows that black people get punished for it. White people benefit from it. So if you want to get in on the goodies, you got to get it in writing. And it looks as like like the, they're backing off on their promise already. It was only not even 24 hours. So Thursday, Irvin said, uh, well, he's doubling down, saying that he's going to keep trying here. Uh, Mayor Lightfoot has since responded 
And Ben, the mayor has done this enough times now that I think we can officially label this a Lori Lightfoot go-to move. Lightfoot belittled the cause and publicly insulted Alderman Irvin. Mayor Lori Lightfoot on Friday likened the chairman of the city council's Black Caucus to a child who doesn't get everything he wants wow. for Christmas and continues to, quote, rail against Santa Claus. Yeah, it's not about the people. It's about Santa Claus and Christmas. Benny J, the Reefer Revolt uh, lives to fight another day. Last time we talked, uh, you were on Team Irvin, but as anyone who has listened to this show at least <laughs> twice knows that your opinion changes damn near every single day. Where do we stand on Reefer Revolt on Friday, December 20th? I'm with uh, Jason Irvin. I'm with him. And uh, I believe that the current situation where all these dispensaries are owned by rich white guys just exposes one more time the utter hypocrisy of the way our country deals with marijuana. I was hoping that we could immediately address that when it was legalized. Apparently we can't. I understand it's challenging. I, I realize it's not easy. I understand that it's easier for me to say, do these things. I'm just some guy behind a microphone and writing a column. I, I realize that, but we should have dealt with it before uh, we opened up those dispensaries on January 1st. So I'm with uh, Jason Irvin. And I remember, by the way, here we go. Here's where my great age comes handy. I remember when Mayor Harold Washington uh, took over and he said, you know what? There's all these lawyers uh, that uh, are, are making uh, big time money on bond sales. This is not complicated law. I want to make sure that some black lawyers get in uh, on the goodies, too. And, you know, they tr they act as like a lawyer who puts together a bond deal is a freaking genius. And I got to tell you, I don't believe it's that difficult to do something like that. And you could find black lawyers in the city of Chicago who can handle it. And lo and behold, when Harold Washington put that challenge out, D, guess what? Black lawyers started making money on bond deals. So I think the same thing could be said uh, with uh, reefer owners of dispensaries. Let's see what Ramana, we're gonna bring, we're gonna force Ramana to take a stand on this one, see what she has to say, because uh, she's sitting here and I know she's got some opinions on this, but that's just how I view it. I just, I think it's unfair. And the whole, one of the worst parts about the law, uh, the way we, uh, we handled marijuana for years and years. It was just unfair. Blacks got punished for doing something whites got away with. All right, so there you are. The latest of what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. We will keep you posted on that story as today's program rolls along. And coming up, the latest update on Ben Jarofsky's second biggest gripe of 2019. The first, by the way, is the location of the water fountains at the Chicago <laughs> Sometimes. Seriously, he complains about it every day. <laughs> Come on, it's ridiculous. Put it right outside the woman's room. <laughs> I'm weird. I'm getting water. It's been Ramana knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's been second uh, biggest gripe of 2019. Lincoln Yards. Oh, We're don't get me started on that. Well, one. we are going to yeah. get you started on that later on in today's program. All right, later but people on. don't go anywhere because coming up after this short little break, Ramana Hussein of the With Chicago Sun Times. Tulsi Gate. Tulsi Gate. Oh, okay. Tulsi takedown is going to happen on the Ramana Rundown. Right. Don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show live from the Chicago Sun Times. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. 
The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Hey, if you're listening on the download right now, did you know that we live stream this program? Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, as well as the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. So if you're ever uh, hanging around between 1 and 3 p.m. on a weekday, Tuesday through Friday, join us for the Ben Jarofsky Show live. You can join the live stream YouTube chat room. Oh, people are, they make fun of Ben. They make fun of Mayor Pete. It's a fantastic <laughs> time over on that live stream chat. It is a chat. lot of fun. So, hey, if you ever uh, want to check it out, go do it. The Ben Jarofsky Show live Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. If a long-time listeners to this show know that Ramana Hussein uh, was right on and uh, on the issue of Tulsi Gabbard, she explained some things to uh, many of my uh, left-of-center listeners about her, uh, Tulsi's little right-of-center, borderline racist attitudes toward Muslims. And... Uh, so it was with great delight, I think, uh, that Ramana, called, when I talked to her today, preparing for the show, was trash talking me big time about Tulsi and that present vote that she took on impeachment, which is one of the wimpiest things I've seen in politics in a long, long time. She had to decide whether she was going to vote yes on impeachment or no on impeachment. And she just said present. I don't know if you've seen the memes. No. no. They say Tulsi Gabbard for present. That's great. I thought it was a Christmas thing. She got everyone presents, but no, that's just pretty funny. There. I was going to send you a text on Thursday night, but I, I'm like, how do you like your girl now? But I don't want to. I don't no, want to seem like oh, such a... You should have. You should have. Yeah. I would have should have. I wish you had, actually. I can handle it. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting because... A lot of us um, who have immigrant parents are very globally connected and pay attention to different issues that affect us. And I always find it interesting that we tef- definitely differ than what white progressives believe. So when I see those signs in Evanston for Tulsi Gabbard, I was like, Ugh. and then you see a sign that says Black Lives Matter. I'm like, well, you really don't know that much. But anyway, um, it's like, it's like there's a lot more to candidates than just a few things i think there's there's so many issues going around and obviously like i you know there's a lot of you know issues because of who i am as a muslim so you know and especially as an indian muslim 
I think, um, yeah, of course I'm aware of more things that affect me. Yeah. And it's, it's like, just, I told someone the other day, they, you know, someone in the newsroom who was a white male who will remain anonymous. Yes, anonymous. <laughs> he's a good friend of mine. And he's like going on and on about the environment and how he's, you know, offended by, you know, Trump and his anti-climate change, you know, attitude. And I go, well, there's also the racism and sexism with a lot of people find problematic. And he's like, yeah, but you know, that's minor compared to the environment. So I'm like, it must be nice to be white and only worry about a few issues. And, and uh, so, I mean, it's a friend of mine. So I jokingly said it. So there are, def- I'm just saying as a person of color and a person, um, who is belongs to a religious group that a lot of people think it's normal to or normalize hate against. It's like there are a lot of issues that we're sensitive to. Well, it's... Uh, and this is why the world is how it is. Yeah. This is why India is how it is, or the United States for that matter. Well, see, okay, so a lot of... Uh, how would I put this? I, I didn't, I didn't, I've never seen a Tulsi Gabbard sign in Evanston. I'll take your word for I it. I did. Today. I go running there, so I've seen so, it. So, okay, I've never seen it. Just one or two. I mean, I'm not saying many. But it's my beloved hometown. <laughs> that doesn't mean uh, that... And, uh, I mean, there's probably Trump supporters in Evanston. Probably, it's, I think it went thirty percent. Yeah, they're more secret. Uh, I don't know of any. I, I can't recall ever seeing a Trump sign. No, there is a Trump sign in Wilmette. There is one. There's. I saw a Trump <laughs> sign um, in Evanston. Uh, I don't want to give away any addresses or anything, <laughs> but I can still see my mind's eye where it was. It's very close to where Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky lives. So it was this clearly this neighbor's way of trying to antagonize <laughs> well, uh, Jan Schakowsky. I think in the northern suburbs in the North Shore, nobody's really going to have a Trump sign. All right, wait. Bef- but that doesn't mean they wouldn't vote for Trump. They, yeah, no, he got 30%. I, yeah. I mean, I have to look at the numbers. I haven't seen him lately, so I shouldn't say 30%, but he, I, I think he got at least 20% in Evanston. All right, uh, which means our Trump supporters in Evanston. Now, here's the thing. Just if you could just help people out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, because so many of, of my friends of, of the lefty persuasion, you know, they're not aware of what's happening uh, outside the realm of politics that they're most concerned with. And they yeah. respect Tulsi because she stood up uh, to uh, the war machine, if you will, opposed intervention uh, in uh, in uh, the Middle East and said she was looking out for veterans so they wouldn't just be sent to uh, wars uh, on the whim of a president who made up uh, evidence that was non-existent. Okay, uh, so... What's the other part of her that... The other part of her is um, a lot of um, people notice that she supports... She supported the regime in Syria. Um, you know, this is Assad, the Assad, Assad, which what you guys would call it. Um, the Assad regime. And a lot of people feel that is wrong. And then um, Tulsi Gabbard is um, part Asian. And she's She identifies... Well, she's a Hindu. And she belongs to this... You know, she has supported... Narendra Modi, who is the Modi, who is a prime minister of India and who is seen by many as a anti-Muslim prime minister by many in India. And I don't know if you saw the recent, I'm sure you paid attention to the recent protests in India over these, um, this act that was passed. It basically recognizes that, you know, refugees that come from other countries, they can become naturalized citizens, you know, doesn't matter what religion they are, except if they're Muslim. Yeah. So that's just part of the current, you know, ruling party's attitude towards Muslims. And Muslims have been there for centuries. Mm-hmm. But now there's been rhetoric calling um, Muslim Indians outsiders, um, telling um, them that they don't belong there. Um, they stripped, there's one state in India where they stripped the stat, you know, the citizenship of um, 
the Indian Muslims who've been there for hundreds of years because mm-hmm. saying that they just came in years ago and they're not real Indians. So they were put in these like different camps. So a lot of people feel strongly about what has been going on in India. I've seen it myself, witnesses might witness it witnessed it myself as an Indian Muslim and obviously I'm someone who's American you know um I know a lot of um, Indian people in India probably think that I shouldn't be weighing on in on this but my family has been there for years Mm -hmm. Uh, my parents were both um, born in Bihar India which is northeast India and my parents have been taking me to India since the 70s when I was three years old so I've been go I've been there about nine times Mm -hmm. I'm probably gonna go there again and take my husband Mick with me I have to. T- I have. To- I have to- I have to tell them how to practice uh, squatting because there are squat to- <laughs> toilets in India. My dad was from a really, really small village, so there's no running water. I Mick's know, gonna. I know what's on the Christmas list: the squatty potty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I- I've been going back and forth in India, and I've actually witnessed. Like I was there when the mosque was destroyed. I don't know if you remember 1992, 93, I was in college. I went to India right after that happened. So there was a lot of um, tension and mm-hmm. um, I heard a lot of um, anti-Muslim rhetoric. And ever since I've gone back, I've always tend to go go there right when something crazy happens. Mm-hmm. Like I went in 2008, right when that terrorist attack happened, that was from at the hands of someone who was Pakistani. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, there was that inflamed, you know, a lot of hatred towards Muslims again. So I've kind of seen it. Subtly, sometimes people don't think I'm. There's a Muslim in the mist, and I've heard things said about Muslims, and I have to kind of speak up and say, well, "Hey." You spoke up uh, on the show, and uh, you, you you clarified your position on it. <laughs> well, uh, and uh, I go technically, I'm just saying what Muslims feel, Indian uh, Muslims but feel. But putting aside that tremendous issue, yeah. w- w- I have to tell you, man, to vote present on impeachment mm-hmm. is. It, it, well, did she? I don't. I'm, I'm misunderstanding the logic for her. If she wants to be the nominee, for well, the Democratic obviously party. she's through with the Democratic Party. So it, it, it either means that she's preparing a third party it's run, independent, uh, yeah. or you know she's getting ready to join the Republican Party or the Trump Party. Uh, and but it it just was very disappointing. Uh, and we and we were having fun with this. Uh, yesterday, Jeff Johnson was in the studio, a longtime political observer, a union man, uh, who's watched. Uh, politics in Chicago and Springfield for years and we were laughing at what a present vote means in Springfield everybody laughs when somebody votes present like you're not fooling anyone you know and you're, you're and, and Barack Obama uh I know uh Dennis uh a huge fan of Barack <laughs> just saying that. Yeah. uh Barack Obama not really feeling Barack these days Ramon that's a whole other story yeah. but uh Barack Obama was loved the present vote and that's just you know what I mean like well I, yeah, yeah. I don't want to offend this one I don't want to offend that one I don't want to do a vote present yeah Ben I believe on the program a... yesterday you called it a uh, weak sauce <laughs> yes yeah. weak sauce keep saying that yeah come on man don't pick the weak sauce and uh it's really lame yeah to vote present and uh, so I knew you were gonna and Samina Mustafa's coming in at four o'clock I'm sure she's going to have more to say about it as well. Uh, but uh, the Tulsi takedown. Anyway, all right, let's move on from Tulsi and go to Mayor Pete, my other favorite thing. And I, I have a confession to make, and maybe you can help me with this. Mm-hmm. I'm not feeling Mayor Pete, and I have not felt him since uh, I first started reading about his worldview. Uh, he's sort of right of center, or mm-hmm. right in the middle. Uh, so maybe you can help me. Uh, why? What's the appeal of Mayor I don't Pete? know. I can tell you when I talked to Samina Mustafa. <laughs> This is what she was talking. She was here at the last debates and she stopped by me and I go, why is Mayor P? I'm just asking as someone who's I don't pretend to be a political expert. I'm like, well, what's so like special about him? 
And she's like, white privilege. That's what she told me. I and think she I, said it on the air as well. I, I, and I go, I just don't get it. I mean, I'm not saying he, you know, we were talking a little bit on the show. I mean, he's he's a smart guy. He's definitely accomplished, a Rhodes Scholar. He went to like Ivy League schools. He's mm-hmm. smart. But I, yeah, I, I, I am a little confused about the hoopla over him. I don't over. I don't know. I just ha, I just find you, it interesting. Have you when when you listen to him and you read his stuff? Does it do you ever? It does. It doesn't make me jump yeah. up. I, I I'm just saying as a as a voter, but I don't know what it is. I I, I really don't know what it is because Joe Biden is leading the polls. I don't understand that either. But well, I understand. I mean, I understand Joe it. Yeah, I understand it. But I guess I don't understand other people. That's what I'm trying to say. I, I, and I'm not saying yeah. you know I'm not trying to rip on Joe Biden. But no, that's fine. listen. You could join our uh, viewers. Most of them are ripping on Joe Biden uh, um, as we speak. Uh, I uh, David Ferris has entered the room. I just, I, I, I just find it room. interesting. I don't know. Do you? And you know, he's you know he's been seen. You know, because. People once in a while talk about his, you know, the police department in Indianapolis. And no, no like, it's South you know, Bend. Oh, South Bend, sorry. I, I, we know we South talk Bend. about that on the Maybe. show a lot. Uh, Henry Davis has uh, been on our show at least three times. He's a councilman from uh, South Bend, Indiana, has a, a, a whole different view of uh, Mayor Pete. And I urge everybody, not now. But uh, over the weekend, perhaps, to listen to those Henry Davis interviews that we've been doing. Uh, I think I've had three of them, D, right? Am I correct? Yeah, what I was said? I'm curious. Well, he talks about uh, he Henry Davis ran against Mayor Pete in 2015 uh, for mayor. And uh, they're roughly the same age. Uh, one is white, one is black. Um, and Henry Davis talks about the reality, some of the same challenges put it as euphemistically as I can between the white police department of South Bend and black people that in South Bend that we have here in the city of Chicago for Mm -hmm. years and years and years. And in his opinion, Mayor Pete has done absolutely nothing to deal with those challenges. And this is the point I was making earlier in the show. The fact that he is young is problematic to a lot of voters because they wonder how much experience he has. My attitude is if you've lived a lifetime you could, in, at age 35 or 37, people can have some real life experiences mm-hmm. that prepares them to lead the world. And when I see a guy being mayor of a town that has a sizable black uh, population in it and is now just now acting as though he just woke up and learned that there's segregation in the world as a way to yeah. avoiding the issues he avoided when he was mayor of the city, I'm not impressed by that. And yeah, so but that's I don't, my I don't, I don't take his age as. I don't I don't look at his age and think, oh, because he's young. But I, I I agree with you. Like how can you just wake up one day and go, Oh, there's racism? You know, I I or there's systematic racism. I agree. Um but you know, I, I'm not gonna say he's not accomplished. I you know, I'm just interested. I don't think he's gonna get the he's not gonna be the candidate for Democrats, but he's definitely higher up than a lot of people were. And like a lot of people were saying Kamala Harris was a cop. I'm like, why not say that to him, you know? <laughs> to Mayor Pete? Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, because a lot of people will probably think, you know. Well, we have, we've had this debate on this show uh, with many, uh, the, the whole issue of the accusation of cop. And uh, when Samina and Leticia were on at the last, uh, for the last debate analysis, uh, both of them, mainly Samina, were saying it's unfair that Kamala Harris gets the cop uh, label. She wants to see if... 
um, uh, the kid, I always, Budin, I think his name is, he's left of center, mm-hmm. uh, state's attorney in yeah. San Francisco. Lori he, Lightfoot got that accusation. Yeah, she too. got that. So is it only for uh, a black women that get uh, hit with that, tag with that? And so I raised that with uh, many of my guests, and I can't remember which guest came back strong right at me and uh, said the problem with Kamala Harris uh, is that she was uh, positioned herself on the right on criminal justice issues no, and I, so that's how she earned it if she had positioned herself on the left let's say then they wouldn't call her a cop so she earned that label and when that person came back and when you like that you know what i said hell you got a good point there i really didn't know what to say you know um so we'll see if that kid in san francisco gets called a cop all right uh you also had a uh, interesting point a friend of yours or your facebook friend of yours was on the debate stage yeah last night I'm, and- I'm on a i'm on a facebook group of american Muslim women journalist and uh, Amna Nawaz, who's on PBS NewsHour, she was one of the moderators at Thursday's debate. <laughs> she asked Joe Biden a question about Afghanistan, is which is the way we pronounce it, and it's correct. Um, anyway, she pronounced it correctly, and he he looked at her and he goes, "You mean Afghanistan?" <laughs> and she's like, "Yes, Afghanistan." <laughs> so it was kind of funny. I think people who can you know know the region pretty well and can speak the ling- languages of that area and and in, if there's India, then there's Pakistan, and there's Afghanistan. So we we pronounce it that way. I know I pronounced it like correctly in the newsroom, and then people look at me like I'm crazy. And then I go, you know, and I'm talking about Pakistan. I'm like, oh, Pakistan, because I'm like, it just sounds weird. I go for someone who speaks Urdu, it's just weird when we mispronounce things on purpose. It's like calling Facebook like fast baki you know what i mean it's just you know and and i understand some people don't have a command of certain languages but it just feels it feels odd like as a person who can knows the correct way i just can't i can't say that and and people do that with their name with their names there's this guy named Danvir who used to work here Uh i'm just giving you an example yeah and he was bangladeshi of bangladeshi descent and so i'm familiar with that name in urdu we say we pronounce the accent on different we call it Danvir. But everybody would be like Tanvir, okay? And I was like, I told him, I'm like, listen, I know that's not your, that's not how you pronounce your name. Can you just tell me how to pronounce it? He's like, thank you so much for asking me. And he's like, you know, I shouldn't have done that. A lot of people, a lot of people who are South Asian or, you know, have names, they, they totally destroy their names. So yeah. it could be easier for white people to pronounce. And I'm totally against it. But Tanvir was, Tanvir was telling me, he's like, you know, I told my wife that, you know, she pronounces my name like that, like wrong. And I wish I told her this, you know, so it's, it's something that we as um, first generation kids of immigrants, like have grappled with, because a lot of people do say their names wrong, just to make it easier. And so um, sometimes my husband will be talking about someone. I'm like, you know, that's not how you say his name. Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, that's how that person said. I'm like, yeah, they're just making it easier for you. But that's not how you say it. Yeah. And uh, it's really funny. So (laughs) When Anvir was leaving, they wanted to hire this young woman who works at the Tribune, and she was also South Asian, and she had a different name. And then um, my boss came up to me and he goes, you know, he he asked me to talk to her, and then he comes, you know, he was going to go talk to her, and he goes, so before we go, we want to ask you, you know, she's going to be replacing Tanvir. I'm like, I want to say her name, and I'm like, yeah, this is how you say her name. But and by the way, you've been saying Tanvir's <laughs> name wrong too. Okay, but anyway, that's just. <laughs> I, I got to tell you this. Listen to the story. I can really uh, relate. Uh, I have gone through life with a name 
that a lot of people struggle with. Jarofsky, uh, that's not that hard. Uh, well, <laughs> apparently not everybody has your abilities. Because I remember one of my earliest memories uh, in uh, first grade, second grade, and that teacher is going down that list of names, and that you go, it's alphabetical, and I'm dreading it. Uh-oh, <laughs> uh-oh. There were not a lot of Jarofskis no. uh, in the schools where I was. I'm like, uh-oh. And then she, there's like, so let's say the name before is Jones. You know, Billy Bob Jones. And, uh, right. <laughs> Benjamin. Uh, <laughs> the pause kills me. <laughs> and even now, man, it's like, what do they call? What is uh, Sukars to call me? Javorski. Javorski. So you know what? I just the whole family. We went to that uh, the Sukars party with their family, and the whole I think it's like they're pranking you. The whole family's like, hey, Javorski. Awesome. So, and then it's like, uh, believe it or not, I. I, I don't know how I did this, uh, Ramon. I studied German for a while. So I was aware that there was a German writer named Goethe. Then I moved to Chicago. Oh, yeah. We call it. And I'm like, Goethe Street. Huh? <laughs> we call it Goethe. Goethe. And so, and of course, I'm very French. So when I see the suburb not far from uh, uh, Chicago, I go, De Plain. <laughs> and no, it's Des Plains, man. Well, uh, Samina Mustafa, who's going to be a guest, and we were when we were growing up, we'd call it, you know, we still call it Devon Avenue. She goes, you know, technically it's Devon. That's how they pronounce it in England, and we all just start laughing. We're like, oh, only Samina would tell us that, but, but yeah, but it's interesting. I don't care as long as people try. I'm just saying. I know, like I said, not everybody has the same command of languages yeah. as I do, and it's really funny because my mom, who's you know from India. She thinks all the Anglo-Saxon names are really weird, and so she mispronounces a lot of like the regular names, and she she like calls people like the wrong name, and and she goes, "Oh, they have such weird names." Yeah, so, you know, no, I'm with so, your mom, and and I got to tell you, if you, uh, I have a lot of issues if, if I reveal them on the show, and one of them is if I get the name in my mind of somebody, and it's wrong, you ask Dennis. It's stuck there, and I battle with it. You know, but at least you try. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, like I said, I don't try to make fun of it too much. But all right, but it was so. it, it, it's 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 good to make fun of it, uh, so we were, or, uh, learn, uh, know what we're doing. But that moment last night at the debate, um, where Joe Biden had to confront the different pronunciation of Afghanistan, and he. <laughs> He had that moment. That's a only a Joe Biden moment. It's yeah, like, poor guy. Did you hear, did you, did you hear about um, Sarah Sanders making fun yes. of his stutter? That was mean. Well, I have to what say, do you expect? I, I, I have to. Huckleberry Sanders. It's a, uh, yeah. So okay. So he. That was a moment in the debate where Joe Biden was recounting uh, how so many people come up to him and share like their their intimate feelings with him and, and look to him for help and assistance and whatever. And there was uh, a kid who had a speech impediment. Mm -hmm. And at the when he did the speech impediment, it wasn't clear whether he was imitating the kid's speech oh, impediment or he himself was stuttering. Oh, okay. At, at least that's how I, I'm looking at David and he's nodding his head as well. And that's, I mean, I was watching it in live time. And uh, and so Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you know, the the, the all caring former spokesperson for Donald John Trump, uh, Romana's favorite president, uh, then immediately tweeted out something mocking Joe Biden. Yeah, with like 
stutter like you know i i i you know. yeah they should take twitter away from like 99 percent of the people <laughs> who have it but uh anyway then she eventually apologized for it uh, so i think she took the tweet down too you don't want to talk about andrew yang being the i love you know what uh, we don't have we to. We don't have to. We could talk about Andrew yeah. Yang another time. Because you talked about him, how sad it is. Not sad, I shouldn't say that. How interesting it is that he's the only person of color that was at the debate. Yeah, that was, man, a, that so. was, a, that was he, a, he, he pointed to that. I don't yeah. know if you remember. No, no, it was, it was a question put right to him directly. And uh, he handled it very well. I thought that Andrew Yang, the limited amount of time he gets, he, he always, he, at least I get a chuckle out of him. You know what I mean? <laughs> Did you see Donald Glover, the actor and musician? I know he's who Donald Glover is. He's yeah. on his creative team. He just signed up on his creative team right? yesterday. Yeah. Wow. He's getting hipper by the moment, I'm telling I'm, you. Yeah. I, I found two. There was, I think, I, I don't know if I told you this, I said on the air. Uh, last Friday, I was walking through the neighborhood, and there were t- not one, but two uh, Yang supporters out g- gathering signatures to get uh, one of his. Uh, yeah. I uh, feel like he's on. getting traction within the last few days. Well, I he's at 4% of the polls. But, yeah, uh, I know. He but is, I, 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 I enjoy anecdotally. All right. So before we let you out the door, Romana's recommendation, and um, what do you got? What's What do you recommend? Well, I don't know if I'm going to... I mean, Star Wars, I heard, is getting decent reviews. It's saying the movie's great. The new Star Wars. Yeah. Miles Porter the, will be reviewing the movie at 3 oh, cool. o'clock. Miles you Porter watched it already? So, um, my husband is a diehard Star Wars fan. I think he said that that's his favorite movie of all time, and I <laughs> okay, don't right. know. I love Mick Dearly, but <laughs> goddamn. He wants to ask me what my... I'm like, it's, that's too hard. Uh, yeah, he, and he got offended once when I said Han Solo was cooler than Luke Skywalker because he identifies as Luke Skywalker with Luke Skywalker, and I'm uh, like, ugh. Oh. And he got mad when I said Mark Hamill looked old in that last movie. <laughs> He's like, it's called aging. And I'm like, I'm just saying, it looks old. <laughs> Uh. But um, he's, he already told me, like, so as soon as, like, the movie reviews came out, he's like, well, you know I'm going to take you to watch that movie this weekend. I said, yes, I saw that coming. So um, I do want to see it. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I still have a few movies that I want to uh, see. Do you have we a want Christmas to movie tradition? I don't know if you do. Uh, not because uh. as a Muslim, we never really have. But, you know, everybody does like, um, what's that, Christmas Story movie? Is that is that what it's called? The, is it called a Christmas story? I don't know. Yeah. Well, the kid, you're gonna shoot yeah. your eye oh, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie. I never. I only saw bits and pieces. No, no, no. I'm saying, do you go to a movie on Christmas Day? Oh, as a you tradition? know what? One year, my dad, like, just because we don't celebrate Christmas, my dad took us to see Rocky one day. We would do things. So I remember we la- That was the one with e- the Russian guy, <laughs> the Ivan Drago. Oh, uh, yeah, it was Rocky three. three. I'm yeah, at David Ferris, like he would know. Uh, I, I I remember I remember going. I clearly remember going to the movies. Four, it was Rocky. That was four. four. Because I remember watching it. I was like in junior high, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so such propaganda." But anyway, um, I I don't know if we do sometimes. Uh, mixed family does sometimes. Sometimes they don't, and so well, every year I mean, we go, we're going to see Bombshell. Cool. Yeah, I have mixed this. feelings about that. Why? I do want to see it, but it's like. Do I really want to see a movie about Fox? I, I'm not, I was talking to Mick about this. I know a lot of people feel torn. Like, okay, nobody's they're they're definitely victims. All these women, but I don't know. To a lot of people, it's like God, you're working for Fox News. Mm, yeah, but, you know, so a lot of people have been saying like, oh God. Uh, but I think I think Charlie's there, and they really made her look like Megyn Kelly. Yeah, and it looks pretty good. They, I, I want to see it. Uh, I do want to see it. And uh, Uncut Gems, that's at the top of my list. Yeah. Too. Um, uh, yeah. So you don't want to talk about um, the farewell. And that you that's saw? what I was going to close with. 
finally got around. Uh, we talked about going to see The Farewell in August. I think it was or July. And for one re- reason or another, I missed it. And they pulled it. It wasn't, wasn't in the screens long enough. Uh, so I finally got it. I read it from Netflix. Man, is that a good movie? Yeah. I was crying like a baby in that movie. And uh, it it's my, one of my five favorite movies of the year. It's so moving. I thought it was so really good. And I thought Aquafina did a really good job. Killed she was, it. She was playing against her type, you know. Although she had that one point. What she did. Okay, so let me just uh, help people out a little bit so they don't know it. Uh, Aquafina it plays a woman uh, who was born in China but um, moved to America at a very early age. So essentially she's American. Mm-hmm. And she lives in New York. Uh, and she's a struggling writer and trying to get foothold and really having a hard time of it. But she still has a strong affinity and connection to her Chinese grandmother who lives back in China. And they talk on the phone all the time. And so what Aquafina portrays is something very real and I can understand because I've seen it with my own kids. They have like a, an identity that they have in their real world, or not their real, I should take that, in their world with their friends and in their particular environment. And then they have their connection with their grandmother who's 50 years older, another generation, but they can connect with her. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, they do it with a way of respect uh, to show just respect for an older person. And so, yeah, so she's playing against type when she's with her grandmother. But if you remember that scene early in the movie, you get a little sense of the real Aquafina. When she's walking down the street, she's talking to her grandmother, and she sees the lady. I don't know. You saw the movie yeah, so yeah. long ago. Which is when she's asking for a signature. Yeah, yeah. yeah she yeah. goes, I did. You know, and she's just like, all of a sudden, for one second, she's you know, rapper Aquafina, And then she's <laughs> back to being, yes, grandmother. Yes, grandmother. Uh, a great flick. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's based on a real life story. I know it is, and it's and they said, did an NPR story. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. on uh, on it, and I told you why I was annoyed by the Golden Globe nomination for The Farewell because it was nominated as a foreign language film, and because they speak different language in some parts, which is normal for those of us who grew up grown up with grandparents who live in different countries. Yeah, no, I, it's but, weird. It was it's made by Americans and uh, whatever. It's uh, it's a great flick, and the premise of the movie is that the grandmother. Uh, is uh, dying of cancer, but nobody wants to tell her that. So they pretend as though they're having a family gathering for a wedding when really they're going to say goodbye to the grandmother. That's all I want to say about it. You cried? Like a baby. I'm not ashamed to admit it. All right, Ramon, we got to move on. The great David Ferris is on deck, and he's fired up to talk politics, impeachment, debate. Uh, he's got to answer all these people coming to this studio all week long, trashing him and trashing his views. Can't wait to hear what he has to say. I'll see you next, next week. week. You're one of the few people who'll <laughs> still be around next week, right? Yep. All right, cool. Thank you so much, Ramana. Okay, no problem. Da- uh, David Ferris, I'll come on holiday. next. Have a Happy ha- Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy everything. Take Ooh. care. We'll be right back with David Ferris. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. 
Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J E F F M as in Mary, A N as in Nancy, U E L P I A N I S T.com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. One. Two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.